0: Good morning. It's been great being with you the last month. Thank you for having me. And uh on our last Sunday together, I really pray that God will move and uh he will draw us into his presence even more. It's been tremendous being with your staff. I've been to a couple staff meetings and uh, I have to say your staff loves you, prays for you, uh hopes for the best for you in your walk with Jesus and uh it's just been great being with the with the church here at Bethany. Thank you so much for allowing me to be part of what of what you guys are up to in the kingdom. Uh, just a quick um, let's just go backwards a little bit about where we come through in the series following Jesus. Week number one, we took a look at Jesus and we looked at his life as a disciple. We watched how a spirit led. Man who was also fully God, how he combated even the evil one with temptations, and how Jesus was perfect in all things, fulfilling everything God had set for him. Week two, we actually moved to the big four. We take a, we took a look at the calling of the first disciples, and uh, we moved from the four, and we took a quick look at the twelve as Jesus assembled them, and he he called the twelve to be apostles. And last week we took a look at a larger group, we looked at the 72, and how Jesus actually practiced discipleship as a Jewish rabbi, uh, discipling a larger group of people, giving them assignments, and uh, actually walking them through what leadership looks like in the kingdom. Today we're going to take a look even bigger, we're going to look at what I think are three mandates that Jesus has for every church throughout the world. It's his heart for For individuals within the church, it's his heart for Bethany, it's his heart for any church. I believe these are three things coming from Jesus, predominantly out of the book of Acts, that that he has for you and me. Uh, But I was just thinking that our lives are so fleeting that when we face God, if we've lived 70, 80, 90 years, that's a rich, long life. When we face God... What do we have to offer him? I can't bring my house and say, here's a gift. I can't bring my checkbook and here's a gift because we don't take those things with us. And I was just reminded that when I stand before Jesus and I bring my offering to him, my offering to Jesus in the end of my life when I pass from this world is really the person I've become. So the, the more I become a disciple of Jesus, the more I resemble him. The greatest gift that I can bring into the very presence of Jesus is being like Jesus. I offer him the changed life that he's given to me. And so a motivation for you and me and why do we want to be disciples is because we're going to face Jesus one day. He's going to ask what we did with this gift. What did we do with this gift of eternal life to get to experience life in the spirit on earth? How did we steward that? And what are we going to become? Because his heart is that we become just like his son. That's what we want to be as as disciples. We don't understand eternity very well either. So our eternal life is going to be amazing. But I brought something for, uh, maybe it'll help us with an object lesson a little bit to understand how old God is and and what he's been up to for the last few years, but I need, I need somebody that doesn't mind to help. Would one of you guys mind helping? Only thing you need to be able to do is walk and hold a string. So thanks. Skip, what's your name? Ben, thanks for volunteering. Appreciate that. Ben can hold a string. We'll see if he can walk. Uh, just hang on for a second. I want us to imagine something. See this, this bright string. It's, uh, it's kind of one of those astrobrite construction strings. I want us to imagine that for every inch of this of this string is the largest uh measurement numerically that we have. Do you guys know what that is? It's actually called, I looked it up, it's called a Googleplex. A Googleplex is the number one plus one hundred zeros after it. That's, uh, in theory, the largest number that we have, I guess, for measurements. Is that right? Mathematicians, help me here. But let's just go with a Googleplex. Imagine a one and then 100 zeros. That's how big it is. A million is just a one plus six zeros in comparison. So Googleplex. Imagine every inch of this string is a Googleplex of time. A one plus 100 zeros. Hard to imagine, isn't it? So we're going to take this for a minute. Thank you very much for your help. And I'm going to have you walk walk about halfway down the aisle here, if you don't mind. Please don't fall and strip over the string. There we go. Go ahead, Ben. Ah, This thing doesn't come off very well. Go ahead. Try it now. There we go. All right. So there goes Googleplex after Googleplex after Googleplex after... Okay, let's stop real quickly. All right. So let's just guess how many feet you think that is, 30 feet? Just... Estimating that's about the world record of the long jump. Um, twenty-nine, I think four and some change. Pretty long jump. Um, mathematicians help me. If this is thirty feet and for every inch is a Googleplex, how many zeros does that bring after the one at thirty feet? A lot? Okay, let's just say very many. It's it's long. Let's go back further. Let go back a little bit further. All right, here we go. So Googleplex after Googleplex of time. Googleplex of time, and let's just kind of stop there. Let's say that's 50 feet, so it would be 50 times what? 12 times 100, so a lot of zeros. And somebody had it? 60,000, thank you very much. 60,000 zeros after the one. That's So imagine this is time, and imagine that this is God who existed for this time, and we're going to go back even further. Keep going back. Now I'll go back further. Hey, do you think you can go out the door? Yeah, go out the door and uh kind of walk out the door, drop the string and and we can come back in. But we're gonna imagine he keeps going. Alright, drop it and come on in. Alright. Now that's a lot of Googleplex right there. And he went out. He kept going. So just imagine he's going. He's now he's now in Los Angeles. He's going across the Pacific Ocean. And I want us to think for a minute about that. Just think if this string It's going back in time now, okay? We're going back in time historically. Just think of this string, did shoot out. it. Went across Los Angeles, came across New York, wrapped around all the way back to us. And this thing is one continual thing of string. That's one inch is a Googleplex of time. I can't even fathom, thank you for your help. Appreciate it, Ben. I can't even fathom the amount of time that it is. Round of applause. Now I want you to imagine something even more ridiculous. Imagine that this doesn't go around the earth just once, but it continues and continues and continues. And so the earth that is, uh, let's just say this is the scale, is, is about this big. It becomes a million times bigger, wrapped fully in this yarn. So we are now standing on top of miles and miles of Googleplex of time represented by the yarn, and the earth is ginormous. And imagine how big that would be. And now here's the mind blower. God is older than that. He knows no beginning. He has no ending. And if we were to take this time that we live on today and we shoot this into the future, he has no ending. And neither do we, by the way. If you're in Christ, you have no ending. You just change your form. You, you leave this world and you go into eternal life with Jesus and you get your new body. It's, it's a no-brainer. It's a good deal. But just imagine how ancient God is. Like, when he looks at the time frame that we live for 70 or 80 years, it's almost like nothing to him. It's like a vapor. A vapor's probably too big when you think about eternity. In fact, I'm going to just go ahead and take this pen, and I'm going to put a dot on this string, and there's a dot. Can you see the dot in the back? No, you can't see that dot? But that's where we're living. That's our time now. That's our life. Over there, can you see the dot? No? Anybody in the front? Can you see the dot? No. Okay. You know what's amazing? That here we have an eternal God who creates the the world somewhere right next to the dot, by the way. The world was created. And he says, I'm going to have you be born. This is your generation. You're going to be alive on that dot. But don't but don't sell out to the dot because that's just part of who I am. That's part of my history and part of my future. I'm I'm an eternal God and I have a plan for you that lasts for eternity that way. But he says, but you are alive on the dot. That's the time frame that you are here. And he asks us, he asks us something, he says, are you willing to live your life so that the remainder of your eternity that way? Will be lived for me, that you will establish values on earth that you live for, that far exceed your time on the dot, that it exceeds and it affects eternity. Are you willing to be that? Trusting in my history, trusting in who, what I've called you to be, will you live your short time on this dot for me? My take is most Americans are living for the dot, for the now. And they're not looking ahead. And they're not looking behind. It's super important that we look behind and say that we have a trustworthy God throughout history. Amen? If he wasn't trustworthy in the past, it's hard to trust him with the future and in the now. But we've found he's trustworthy. And because we stand, we stand on, on history of giants, of giants of the faith, we stand on history of God proving himself over and over again. We can live in this time today and we can say the future looks really good, doesn't it? But today what we want to address is, are we willing to say that while we are on this little dot called earth in this time to our generation, we're all in. We don't want to live for the here and now. We want to live in such a way that our lives make a difference so that in, let's just, in a billion Googleplexes in the future, we can say, thank you, Jesus, for calling me to this. We met as a staff. We feel like today is a response Sunday. He, he's asking us to respond to invitations from Jesus through prayer. And I asked your staff, do you have a do you have a response history? Because I don't know Bethany real well. And I, I heard from Annette that you do. That when Les Mark was pastor, he used to have a prayer bench in the front of the church, and people would just come forward for prayer like it was nobody's business. Yes, we need Jesus. We're going to respond in prayer. That you had another pastor that would actually call people forward and there was an anointing of oil that would be giving over people. And you have a history of responding to God's invitations. And I've been praying all week that God would summon that back up so that you would be willing to say, I'm, I'm I'm not just going to sell out to this dot. I'm going to live for eternity. And so we've asked Jesus, will you just invite all of us all of us into what you're asking from you and me. So you have to know that's the background. You've been covered with prayer. I love what Moses said in Psalm 90. He said, "Lord, through all the generations you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, "Return to dust, you mortals." For you, a thousand years are as passing as a day, as brief as a few night hours. And I love what he says in verse 10. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. And then he ends it in verse 12. I want to end with this. Teach us to realize the brevity of life. So that we may grow in wisdom. Can we just agree today that life goes by fast? And if we are living just for this world, pity on us. Because God has so much more in focus for you and me. He has eternity in focus. And so the first of the three things I believe he has for every church and for every believer is to be a gospel-centered church. Gospel-centered. What do I mean by that? Let me read from, from Acts 26. We don't have the passage, but in Acts 26, verse 22, this is what Paul says. He's being interrogated for his faith, and he says this, But God has protected me right up to this present time, so I can testify to everyone from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing Except what the prophets and Moses said would happen. And here's, here's what he said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead. And in this way, announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. In a nutshell, that is the gospel according to Paul. Shortened version, sidewalk version, whatever you want to call it. And what was his gospel? He says it was revealed in the Old and the New Testament. And I believe throughout time, God has revealed himself to us. Not just in the New Testament, even in the Old. There's prophecies about Jesus. Even in creation, before the foundation of the world was laid, our salvation was already put into effect. Can you believe that? Before we ever sinned, God had a plan to save us. It didn't catch him by surprise that we would sin in the garden. He had the plan in place, networked deeply into the creation, that the Savior would come. He says that the Gospel is the truth about the person in the work of Jesus Christ, about His divine origins, His virgin birth, His sinless life. All of these are important parts of the Gospel. But most importantly, His sinless life, His perfect death, and then His miraculous resurrection. The Gospel is all about the cross remove the cross you don't have a gospel you have a fake gospel a false gospel we have to see the cross as the gospel the saving grace and love of jesus for you and me and now it's extended and offered to all people everybody he expects the church to verbally share this with others it's our charge He gave us, 2 Corinthians 5 says, He gave us the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Both of those are ours. We have this message that we know about Jesus, and then we have this ministry that we just tell people to be reconciled to God. He loves you. That's all the gospel. In fact, Romans 10, 17, Paul says, Faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. So that the gospel has always been intended to be a verbal gospel. How is your verbal witness today? When's the last time you told somebody who does not know Jesus that he loves them and he is Lord and has a plan for their life? It's a verbal gospel. Yes, we live it out. The Implications of the gospel are because I'm saved, all kinds of good things come into my life. There's hope, there's peace, there's joy. These are all great effects of, of being a gospel person of knowing Jesus. In fact, because we are gospel-centered people, we should, we should care about the injustices of this world. It should make us cringe when we see people taken advantage of. We should feel bad about homeless. We should feel bad about how people that are poor are not getting a chance. All these things are important. Racism, we should be all against that stuff. But that stuff are implications of the gospel. And it's because I am saved and because Jesus lives in me, I do these things. But the gospel is is Jesus. Is it okay to make that? And so when we talk about preaching the gospel, what I'm talking about is the saving grace of Jesus that has all kinds of amazing consequence on the backside. The gospel is a verbal gospel. The second thing I believe Jesus wants for every church and for every disciple in the church is to be spirit led. He wants a spirit-led church. I love looking at the disciples. In, in the book of Acts, we should have this verse up there, verse 4. They start to record some of the words of Jesus. It says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them this. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift of prom- of the- he promised, as I told you before. He says that John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Do you see in this command here to the, to the early church and to the disciples that he told them to wait? Wait is a great word. Wait for the Holy Spirit. See, they weren't even Christians yet. They, they hung out with Jesus for three years. He said, there's a coming day when I'm going to send my spirit, and, and then it's going to be the game-changing time. On Pentecost, it's going to go crazy. You're going to figure out all the investment I made into your life, all the teachings, all the trainings. When I gave you some of my authority so that you were actually casting out demons and, and you were healing the sick and you are doing things in my name, that was a borrowed authority. Pretty soon I'm going to give you that authority because my Holy Spirit is going to come and take residence in you. You're going to believe, you're going to receive, and I'm going to live in you. The living God, who's existed forever backwards, is going to send His Spirit, come to life inside of you, and it's going to change everything. I challenge you to look look in the book of Acts, especially chapter 2. We won't have time to get into that today. But look at the difference in Acts chapter 2, as all the previous teachings that the disciples had before the Holy Spirit came into their life. We often say, how come they made so many mistakes? They asked so many dumb questions. And you know what my response is? They had not the Holy Spirit in their heart. And we have to ask the question, how come I ask so many dumb things of you, Jesus, too? Because we have to learn a new way of living. Life in the Spirit is not the same as life in the flesh. If we try to do things in the flesh, what we do is we give birth to Ishmael's. We give birth to things that are not from God. But if we wait on the Spirit, He has us give birth to Isaacs. The promises of God come true. And we wait for that. But we now live in a new era. We live under the Matthew 28 mandate. We live post-Pentecost. Thank God we're alive today. That Our time on the dot, you couldn't have chosen a better time to be alive. Because the Spirit has been sent forth by Jesus. Our salvation is because we're born again of the Spirit of God. He, we're born again because of Him. The truth of Jesus, born by the Spirit. The Father's going, Amen, that's why I sent Him. We'll look in verses 6 and 7. We'll see that where there's no Holy Spirit, there's no understanding of the Spirit-led life. So verse 6, you see the Apostle asking funny questions. It says when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. It sounds like they were harassing him. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Boy, did they not get it. They're thinking earthly. They're thinking dot. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute. My kingdom is not of this earth. And when it comes, it comes from heaven. It knows no boundaries. It doesn't care what skin color or language you speak. My kingdom's not from this world. My kingdom is different. And they're just thinking, is it going to look like this? Is it going to look like that? He replied this. He said, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they're not for you to know. So wait some more. Wait for the Spirit. He will enlighten you. So they move from being gospel centered, which is what we're all to be, Spirit led, I guess I have a question for you to think about on the Spirit-led. How much of your ministry and how much of your life do you feel is under the control of the Holy Spirit? There's times when I look and I say, that was a decision I made, not God. Decision I made, not God. Decision I made, not God. What's the fruit look like? Not too good. Sometimes I think I'm working for God instead of working with God. And it's a big difference. If I'm doing things for God to try to make Him happy, to look good in the eyes of others, I'm birthing an Ishmael. But if I'm walking with Jesus, and He's walking with me, and He's teaching me, His Holy Spirit is guiding me, and I'm trying to respond to His Spirit as He gives me direction, choices that are based on the Spirit, not based on the flesh, it's wonderful. I'm working with Jesus. He's my, I'm in relationship with Jesus and he cares about the big stuff and he cares about the little stuff. Some theologies teach that he's only concerned about the big decisions. I say he's concerned about the small ones too. He really is. Just think about a good parent. A good parent is concerned about the big things with their children and the small. They want to hear the little stories too. They like the conversations that their children had with their best friends. It brings life. They don't want to just know, did you go to school today? Parents want to know their children. Good parents. And that's how God is. He's a good, good father. So what does it look like now to be a mission-focused church? We talk about being gospel-centered, spirit-led, and now mission-focused is the third leg of the stool. In Acts 1, 8, 9, we continue. Here's what Jesus said. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. By the way, that's one thing the Holy Spirit brings. He brings power to our life. He brings power to overcome sin. How good is that? He brings power to live victoriously. He brings power to forgive others. He brings power to pray healing. And it works. He gives us power. He says you will. And then he says this. But you will have power when the Holy Spirit comes. And he says power for this. And you will be my witnesses. Power to witness. How have you walked in that reality? Power to witness. It says here, telling people about me everywhere, beginning in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then it says, after this, saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. So that's like, drop the mic, I'm in heaven. And what are his last words? Tell people. Where? Everywhere. Tell people about me. Our last words are heavy. If you're on your deathbed and you get to whisper your last words to your family, they're weighty and they're heavy and they're priority. And this is true with Jesus. Jesus. He says, you'll receive power, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Boom, the Holy Spirit, you receive power, now you're going to go be my witnesses. Do not keep the gospel to yourself. Go to Jerusalem, this is where your peeps are. This is where your family, your culture, your background, go to Judea, the surrounding cities, go to Samaria. These are where the cultures are resistant and they probably don't even like your religion. And then, by the way, go to the ends of the earth where you're going to have to learn a new language, eat crazy food. Uh, you're going to risk your lives. Uh, I want you to go there too, by the way, disciples. I want you to go there and I'll give you the power by my spirit. The early church did pretty well in Jerusalem. 3,000 people were added to the church in the first day. Talk about power. That's church growth right there. But what happened over time is they began to just stay put. They were enjoying koinonia, which is fellowship in Greek. And then we we like to say they they developed koinonitis. (laughs) That they loved the fellowship so much they forgot about Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And many missiologists say what God then was just radical. He said, because of that, I'm going to send persecution from Rome. And this hot fire that's going, I'm going to stomp on it. I'm going to persecute you. And I'm going to force you to scatter. And so the church of Jerusalem goes all over. And everywhere they went, guess what they brought with them? Gospel-centered living, spirit-led living, mission-focused. They were sharing Jesus everywhere. And the gospel starts to advance around the world. Pretty soon, God's raising up more and more missionaries that'll say, I'll go to that culture. I'll leave. And the gospel begins to advance around the world. There's still many unreached people groups, by the way. Uh, There are many cultures that have 0% evangelical witness. Zero. All over the place. I just got back from Thailand. 0.07% Christian in Thailand. Not even one out of a 100 know Jesus. There's places around the world that don't know. And there's places in your own neighborhood where people really don't even know who Jesus is. Except they know that the press hates them and the press hates the church. So they're in. They're going to hate too. And they don't even know who he is. That's the world we live in. But in 70 AD, God scatters the church and I've I've prayed in the past, God, please make me obedient to your command to share the good news with others i don't want you to have to bring hardship in my life so i obey i don't really love persecution i don't want it i'd rather be obedient on the front end do this with you rather than you having to discipline me because i know you want me to be like jesus jesus was missional he came and gave his own life for us i know you want me to be like him let me cooperate with your spirit I don't know where you land on that, but deep in my heart, I'm an evangelist. I want to see everybody know Jesus. Because He's the answer for the world. Not only for this little dot we live on, but He's the answer for eternity. And we're going to get to live forever together. And let's, can we have a reunion in a hundred Googleplexes? Can we have a Bethany Church reunion? And I want some of that chili. Janice you're in charge of the food because every time you do an announcement there's food and we're going to have a reunion and we're going to talk about this day we're going to talk about, about the day when Jesus invited us to a deeper commitment to living for eternity and we're all going to share stories of assignments he gave us we're all going to share stories about how he used us because we believed him and because we responded to him because we said yes and we'll gather around And too many zeros to imagine because we have forever to hang out by the way But while but while we're here can we be about the father's business? Can we be about him making me into the disciple he wants me to be can I be about surrendering to everything he wants? And if there's any area or compartment in my in my heart that I'm withholding from God I'm saying you can have 95% but that last 5% that's my time. That's my life. Don't touch that room Today we say, you get it all. You get it all. Life's too short to hold back from everything God wants for us. So that's the invitation for you. Here's how it's going to work this morning. This is going to be the less marked prayer wall right here. Okay? If you want to come up, you can stand or kneel before God right here. This is, this is really good if you want to come by yourself. And you want to, you want to just, Jesus is inviting you into something, you can come up to the front here. You can kneel. You can invite a friend to pray with you. But this is a sacred space right here in the front, okay? On the wings, we're going to have a prayer team. On the wings, we're going to have uh, some of the leaders of the church will be over here, some of the pastors. Over here, we'll have some other people leading. If you want somebody to pray for you, go to the wings or bring somebody with you. It's really good to bring somebody with you too. Uh, Jesus likes sending them out in two-by-twos. Here's what we're going to pray for. Two things in particular, okay? We're going to ask Jesus, if he invites you, if, if during the worship set, during our time, you feel Jesus inviting you, that you are longing to live a more spirit-led life, you're longing to give up some of the control you have to say, I want you to drive this bus. Lead me by your spirit. I want to learn what it means to hear from you and live for you. If that's what God's stirring in your heart, move to the front, move to a wing, and ask God, Ask God if he'll, if he'll teach you how to do that. And I believe he'll meet you there. You may have a bad habit that you say, I, I've given 95%, but there's this one hanging sin in my life. It just trips me up all the time. It can be anything from impatience to something way bigger. And you know that that's tripping you up and that the enemy has a stronghold. Ask somebody to pray for you, to deliver you from that so that you can let the Spirit of God give you what God wants you to have which is patience understood the second area you really know you want to live a mission focused life but you know when you look back when you backtrack you see maybe you've never even led one person to Jesus in the last 20 years or ever and deep in your heart you have this longing Jesus I know you I've been walking with you but I haven't led anybody into a relationship with you And you long to live missionally focused to say, I want to be about my father's business. I want to see others saved. This is your chance to plead with him to use me. To help you be spirit led, even in your witnessing, to have a verbal witness to other. Maybe, maybe you're just terrified to have a verbal witness about Jesus. And today's the day that you say, I want to be mission focused. I'm going to move for prayer. And Jesus, will you please break through? As I was praying for the church and for this message this week, I felt like Jesus gave a warning. And the warning is this. The time is now. We often think, oh, I have 10 more years, 50, I'll make a decision later. And Jesus was telling me, tell the church the time is now. Today is the day to say yes to spirit-led living, to mission-focused living, so that we have this gospel-centeredness to our lives. So my urgency to you is to respond now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to go to their spots on the wings, uh, pastors and prayer leaders. Um, by the way, church, you have full right. You can tap any other church member's shoulder to say, you're my prayer team member, I need your prayer. And they have to say yes. They have to. It's just the way it is. And so this is just a time of prayer. We have a song set. Christy and the team has put together a few songs. We're not going to rush through this. Just meet with Jesus. Ask Him, what does He have for you? And then I encourage you to respond. Respond in prayer. We are not in a rush this morning. So let's hear from Him. And I'm just going to pray quickly. Spirit of God, fall afresh on us. Jesus, speak to us. Invite us into areas that you're calling us. Give us courage to respond in prayer. Give the people praying over us wisdom from on high. We want to be all in with you. No compartments of our heart that are left outside of your rule and your aid. We want you to have all of us, Jesus, from our minds to our bodies. To our time, to our checkbooks, we want you to be ruler of all. So we come to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.